going to share my conversation with Dave DeFelice, who's the Vice President of Customer Service and Operations at Canadian Tire Financial Services. CTFS was BE Works' first client, and Dave and I have worked together closely throughout the years. Here, we had a chance to reflect on our relationship and explore his relationship in behavioral economics and share our views on the importance of experimentation. I'm very much looking forward to our discussion today, Dave. Thank you so much for agreeing to join me on this conversation podcast. You're welcome, it's my pleasure. I have this huge list of things I wanna talk to you about today. I wanted to just jump right out of the gate though, first of all, talk about behavioral economics. And I think my first question is, from your point of view, what is behavioral economics? Uh, Great question. Um, Yeah, I've, you know, I found over the years, it's become probably the predominant thing I read about. So most of the stuff that I choose to get into and read, I just find it really fascinating. So I can give you what I, my perspective on what I think behavioral economics is. I don't know how that's going to match to the technical definition or the reality, but I, I think behavioral economics essentially to me is really about the way people make decisions and about all of the things that influence people's decisions that are uh, unexpected um, counterintuitive perhaps. Um, and that really just provide kind of deeper insight into just how people navigate the world and how people, um, you know, make everyday decisions. Yeah. So that's the, those are the kind of the key insights. That's the key and classic, you know, definition of behavioral economics, right? It's these insights about human behavior, you hit on, you know, the counterintuitive, which is so fundamental. Yeah. So I think those are the, you know, two of the fundamental elements. And then there's, you know, how we, how we nudge, how we use those insights to impact and influence behavior. So I think with that, that leads me to wanting to talk about, you know, where BE Works specializes and that's an application. You know, we're all about taking these, you know, like you said, kind of this theoretical or this academic, whatever, techni- you said technical, you said technical <laughs> definition, you know, whatever, but it's all about now this application in the real world. And it's very exciting, obviously, for me to be talking to you about behavioral economics because you've got, you know, a decade of application of behavioral economics under your belt. And I wanted to talk to you about what does it mean to understand people's credit behavior from the lens of behavioral economics? What are the kinds of things that we've learned or that behavioral economics has helped us to understand? If you were talking to another you know, banking leader such as yourself, yeah, some of the things that that behavioral economics has uncovered? Yeah, I think, so there's probably a couple of answers to this. There's there's kind of an outside of the pandemic answer, and then there's a, uh, okay, and what about during the pandemic answer? And I think, you know, it's a lot of the classic things. Um, if you, you know, prior, let's say, to the pandemic, people um, are overconfident, overproject what they can do, um, potentially have trouble, um, doing the little things that are good for them. So 
there's a lot of application of, of very common things within behavioral economics um, to uh, that, that can be drawn on uh, to really try to make things better um, in, in consumer credit. The yeah. pandemic uh, mm-hmm. has added, a, 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 I think, another element to that. And I've always been, um, a, you know, really um, careful that people are treated with empathy in collections. And you, you've always got to remember the context. A, a collections call um, will happen at a very difficult moment in somebody's life, maybe on the worst day in somebody's life. That's when the collector is, is, is calling, or at least could be the case. So I've always been um, a huge proponent, and our team here is our huge proponents of of uh, respect, of, of positive communication, and of you know expressing empathy. Um, and we've always gotten good feedback from customers about that because it's not always the case uh, for customers. Um, I think that's kind of doubly important during the pandemic because the pandemic is this big thing that's affected people. And I think to, to just kind of carry on about a business conversation without kind of acknowledging the overall context that we're all in is, is kind of crass. And I, I think you, you uh, don't really, you, you know, you kind of have to earn the right to, to get into a call. And I think the way you do that is with the appropriate amount uh, of empathy. That's, that's actually, um, I think, quite an important aspect of how behavioral economics can help bring you know the philosophy or the ideal you know this is idealistic almost to to bring in uh empathy one of the first projects that we did together actually helped us to make that a reality we were able to operationalize that empathy so it's one thing for us to talk about behavioral economics from a theoretical perspective, or as you called it, kind of a technical definition, but the spirit of BE Works and yourself and the work that you've done at, at Canadian Tire Financial Services, is it's all about application. We've been on a journey together for over a decade of the application of behavioral economics, you know, Quite frankly, uh, you and the team were pioneers in this uh, space. Could you talk a little bit about that journey that we've been on? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that journey. It's been probably one of the funnest things I've been involved with, I I would say, over my time. Um, I I find it fascinating, and I'm not alone. I think the team, you know, we, we, there's lots of things we do and you can kind of see the energy level of the team, right. As you go through various things. And I would say that these are kind of high watermark moments. Um, I would say, I think, I think the team found it fascinating. Um, and I think, you know, I think, um, we've got a team that knows our business really well. We've got, um, a real, uh, operationally focused team, um, a lot of tenure, deep knowledge and understanding of our business. And I think it was a beautiful compliment to bring um, behavioral economics kind of theory into the mix. It was, you know, just, just disruptive enough to how we normally um, kind of operate. And, and I, I think back to one of the first uh, experiments that, that we got success with, and it was related to the um, an automated kind of transaction or interaction with a customer and, and the, um, you know, it was a really good intervention point to choose because there was a lot of volume, a lot of data and something that you could really kind of change quickly and get a good look at and, and get a gauge. 
And what always struck me about that is the ultimate design uh, that proved to be the most effective was a design that was in some ways uh, redundant. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something with an operational mindset that would, I think we would have come to. We just never would have thought that adding a step, let alone a redundant step, is going to make anything better, right? We spend all of our time trying to take steps out and make things streamlined and simpler. And so that to me was maybe the, you know, the first evidence that, geez, there's something to this and something that we really need to um, pay more attention to here because um, I'm sure there are other, and there have been other applications to, um, to our business that have been really effective. I think that this is just absolutely worth highlighting and emphasizing. So you would describe behavioral economics as, uh, you know, deep insights on human behavior, the opportunity to have an empathetic lens. And then you added this element of there being these counterintuitive insights. The thing that in my experience, um, is incredibly special about having worked with CTFS and the challenge that I think that many practitioners of behavioral economics face is working in an environment with leaders that have these necessary ingredients, such as the, you know, purpose-driven approach to the customer experience, you know, wanting to make it better, right? You've got that motivation. The second part is that willingness, that openness to these counterintuitive insights. You know, imagine sitting around the boardroom and everyone going, there's no way that's going to work and have that kind of leadership though, that says, well, hang on, let's, let's test it out. And then this third part of what you said is to have a data-driven environment. We, we built all of this big data capability to what end? One of the reasons is not just to extract the insights that are sitting there, but rather to build a test and learn environment. So right out of the gate, so many of the fundamental ingredients required for applied BE success is what we were able to, to work with. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I think um, banks are, you know, generally, and I'm sure all banks can say this, are generally very heavy into experimentation and controlled, you know, testing. But I think the behavioral lens on it adds like a dimension and a richness to it um, because it tends, you know, it's more hypothesis driven. It's not random. And uh, you can, you know, use research, and which is, you know, what I really appreciated um, from the BE Works team was just the ability to bring in all sorts of research and insights around, um, um, you know, how a customer would be feeling at this moment and what's a likely um, experience to, you know, what's a likely piece of research to draw on that might, that might tell us something about how we can uh, make this uh, process better. So I, I think that kind of the marriage um, of the two uh, was, was really helpful. And I think, Curiosity, you know, I, I, I think curiosity is a, um, is a leadership quality that is important. And I, th and I think, you know, I, I, I think we have that um, at, at financial services and certainly among the team. Um, you know, we, we approach that with a lot of curiosity and, uh, and um, I think it's kind of what enabled us to, to be so productive. Yeah, absolutely. Another, another key ingredient is that, is that curiosity. So, CTFS has long been considered one of the world's leading teams in consumer credit. Yeah. Uh, 
what what are the ingredients of that yeah I, uh, well i think a lot of it has to do uh with our credit risk uh capabilities and and the integration of our operation i would say uh into that i think it's a well-developed expertise that we've honed over many many years uh and includes you know deep analytic capability um innovative uh, ways that uh, the credit risk team uses data to help adjudicate um, customer credit. Um, and I would say that, you know, one of the things that we all do is we, we kind of operate within the context of a brand. So we're, we're, we're always very mindful of the uh, importance of the brand and how we operate, how we deal with customers and how we make decisions. And so we really do need to, um, find this uh, sweet spot of, of operating in a, in a credit business, but doing so in such a way that we, you know, care a lot about our customers and, and are fair in our dealings with customers. Yeah, that's fantastic. So with all of these different elements, then uh, you've been able to see quite a lot in terms of human behavior, um, especially through the pandemic, what kinds of changes have you seen? What's changed in your perspective about human behavior? I, th I think, you know, ironically, I think people have been a lot more careful about their credit. So our, the level of delinquency we, we have is, is uh, believe it or not, at an all-time low. I think that is partially um, shaped by the, the government programs that have been, uh, and I, we're not unique in that, by the way. I think that's, uh, by and large, the industry is experiencing um, you know, all time lows in, in delinquency. I think people are being a lot more careful about their credit. Um, I also think that government programs have kind of helped and, and, you know, the, the conversation we have is what's that going to look like in the coming, uh, months and, and years as the, as the government support systems kind of fail, um, fade away. Um, but what we've noticed so far is that, um, customers are, uh, caring an awful lot about their, about their credit and, you know, um, we've noticed um, most have, I'm sure, but, you know, the uh, trends in terms of what people are spending money on, it's been, there's no surprise there because there's just been things you couldn't spend money on. Um, so we've clearly seen that play out in our, uh, in our customer base. Um, but things have been remarkably the same, I would say, from a, uh, from a collection, so far from a collection standpoint. I mean, the only, you know, the, the biggest piece I would say is just, addressing the context of the pandemic and using, um, you know, just working with an awful lot of empathy because I think everybody's going through a lot and has been going through a lot, but in terms of pure, uh, spend and delinquency kind of behavior, it's actually been, um, surprisingly okay so far. In an ideal world, um, certain aspects of the restraint on spending, um, would stay or at least the, uh, ability to make sure that one stays on top of the the debts that they incur and the ability to you know maintain that payment cycle. Hopefully, there are some uh, new additional you know discipline around that 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 lasts as we you know get our way back. Uh, hopefully, sooner rather than later. Yeah. To yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's also been the case that, you know, without um, an ability to use cash, I think people are being, you know, um, appropriately careful about the, you know, they're, they're spending the, the vehicles that they can use to, to transact.
So um, just some other questions that I have about um, this period in the pandemic. So you said you feel like many things have stayed the same and, and some things have, have changed. Um, what do you think that, that has uh, stayed the same that is probably uh, healthy in terms of consumer behavior? Yeah, I think the thing that has stayed the same is, is you know, people, um, we expected more difficulty in, in consumer delinquency than we've seen so far. That's not to say that that won't change. Uh, but so far, we're quite surprised at how most people have fared, uh, customers have fared through the pandemic, at least with respect to our, uh, our customer portfolio. Yeah. So I wanted to delve a little deeper into um, this category of scientific thinking and how that applies to um, how you understand the, the business and what were some of the attributes that you would define as characterizing scientific thinking? What does it mean to you? Yeah, I think one of the things that I, I, we, we've learned over the, the journey with BE Works has probably been, you know, objectivity uh, or the, you know, the insistence on measuring things. Um, and I know we are a largely quantitative kind of organization, but I think we actually started to kind of break down even further elements. Um, and this is where the training work that we had done is, uh, was so interesting. But we'd started to break down new areas um, where we've, you know, increased, you know, evidence and, and metrics. Uh, and that's one of my favorite ones, which was kind of the, um, one of the great things in a call center is you've got a lot of people doing something, you tend to have a lot of metrics involved. And so, you know, you always have this concept of outliers and, and you're always going to have people who are, you know, just kind of really um, a little bit better, it seems, than everyone else on particular dimensions and starting to really try to peel that apart and understand why and what's really causing it. And uh, so I, I think we made huge, you know, gains in terms of understanding how to go about um, building evidence for that and and then what to do with it so so that you know the training work that we've applied in collections and on various kind of teams in the call center we're really quite innovative i i don't know that that's happening a lot um you know typically training you know training has different kind of levels of you know was the training good did people understand it was their behavior change? Did you achieve the business outcome? So normally we would go to one or two, uh, but in these scenarios, we actually went all the way. So we, we, um, we took an evidence based, you know, um, towards just identifying what the training and what the techniques should be. We were able to uh, verify that people understood them. We were then able to measure them through largely manual, but, uh, but a real, a commitment to, to demonstrating evidence uh, and um, developing the data we needed to to verify, uh, and then achieving the outcome. So that for me was, um, uh, you know, that to me was a really interesting example of how we kind of broke down a little further um, and increased our ability to use data and metrics to really drive out, you know, the outcomes that we were trying to achieve. 
Yeah, there's just so much to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the curiosity that you had mentioned earlier, the objectivity, the measurement, the getting to why. Uh, so there's that's a lot of great stuff, and it and it evolves. I think both how leaders lead initiatives and find out what's working and what's not working and project teams can be agile because they've got better data and feedback to inform their point of view. Um, but it also has an impact on how teams think and gives them space to, um, you know, ask better questions themselves, think more objectively about the business and maybe even be bolder in terms of the kinds of ideas that they come up with and are, are willing to, to test or propose. But what are some of the other ways that you've seen that scientific thinking impacts the teams that you lead? Yeah, I, I've noticed that a lot uh, with the work uh, we've done in behavioral economics, and I've, I've, um, it's, it's one of the really neat byproducts of of this journey we've been on. And, and because I, I think what I've noticed time and time again is people get really lit up. They start thinking an awful lot more about everything that they're doing. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, a bit, you know, more inspired, uh, more creative, uh, more courageous. And I think. Uh, so, I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, in one of the um, training work that we had done, we had talked about, okay, we're going to, we're going to do some, we're going to develop some training, some evidence-based training. We're going to do the training and then we got to figure out how to get, um, you know, the behavior change, right? So at the end of the day, we're, we're asking people to kind of go about the process of their calls a little differently. And, you know, some people have been doing this work for 20 years and all of a sudden we're going to introduce something and say, look, we really want you to try, um, you know, some new techniques. Here are some that are proven to work and you, you know, you kind of give them the, the feedback and show them and they become kind of self-led and, and that had an impact on the supervisor team and they became, you know, really creative and obsessed about how do I start to build these communication habits into the team? And, and so, I almost, you know, there was almost this kind of ripple effect of scientific thinking and inquiry throughout the, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the process. So we, you know, we were aiming at something that was quite, quite small, uh, but in, in effect bec became uh, much bigger. So that's absolutely fantastic about, you know, how inspired your team was um, in terms of this, you know, implications of scientific thinking on how they think, how they feel, how they approach new ideas. Um, a question for you is what have been some of the lessons that you've learned about how people make decisions through the work that we've done? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny, like you can very often convince yourself that you know exactly how something works. And um, there are plenty of, very counterintuitive things that you wouldn't expect. Even if you've had years and years of experience doing something, I, I think it's important to remain open to the possibility that um, there's something else at play that you don't quite understand. And there are very, you know, layers to this, um, this field, I think of behavioral economics. And I, I think, you know, what's, what's, you know, ultimately what's, what I've learned is, is, 
just to be open that there is a different um, influence at play than you than you've assumed. Wow, what a powerful addition to the definition of behavioral economics. So I think we need to make standard this idea of layers of human decision-making and, and that we don't even know and that we need to remain open to learning those things and being shaped and informed by that. I think that that's a very powerful insight for business leaders that could translate almost into advice for business leaders, but... I'd love to hear what you think um, other leaders that are new to behavioral economics, um, you know, I, I admit to being, you know, still surprised when it's new, but it is still new for many people. And I know that from your point of view, I mean, you've been doing this for, you know, solidly over 10 years with us, but I still meet leaders in the United States and in Canada Europe, around the world, who they have not yet heard of behavioral economics, or they've heard of it, but they just haven't had time to, to yeah. explore it. So I would love to you know, solicit you for advice for these leaders on what, what to expect from BE and, and maybe why it's important for them to, now that they've had a chance to maybe hear this conversation, um, what would your advice be? There's, there's probably a couple of things I would point out. I mean, one is just the importance of creating the space in your organization for something like this to happen. And, you know, I, I think it's easy for people to become threatened with the idea that there's a different way to do things that are, you know, that may be more productive than what's, what's happening. Uh, and so I think it's really important for senior leaders to just role model curiosity and create some space, um, you know, because you, you, you know, when you, when you get involved with behavioral economics, you're not, you're, you're not buying a solution. I think you're opening up to some really important questions. And I think it's ultimately a more fulfilling path than, than buying solutions. Uh, but it is, you know, it can be messy. It does require, um, you know, getting um, your sleeves rolled up and, and getting into it. And it's, and it requires, supporting the team. Not everything will work. Some of the things will surprise you that work. Some of the things that you thought would work won't work. And so um, if you don't approach that with the right attitude, the, the goal really needs to be kind of looking for truth and, and understanding, you know, as opposed to, I want every one of these things to, um, to produce like I expect. I mean, that, that's a hard, um, hard way to get into this. You, you kind of have to go into it just um, looking to develop deeper understanding. And I, there is a ultimately a reward for doing that, a business reward for doing that, but, um, but you probably have to support your team through that. That's awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much. There's so much wisdom in, in that advice. Um, makes me, uh, extremely happy to hear, this idea of, you know, obviously curiosity, um, layers, being willing to challenge what you know, what you think, recognizing that this isn't a solution, but rather a journey uh, is probably um, one of the most transformational insights for business leaders to keep in mind. Thank you so much for your time. It's always wonderful to check in with you and it's great to hear your perspective on the impact of behavioral economics. Thank you very much, Kelly. I enjoyed it.